SAFM leading the conversation. The viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhez Omapete on SAFM. And the irony is not lost that on the 1st of June, liquor sales were again allowed under level 3. And despite the announcement of a couple of weeks before, schools remained closed on the same day liquor was allowed to be opened. Could that be a metaphor of many things of this government, of this society, of South Africans, who we are? Department of Basic Education. Schools reopening for grade 7 and 12. A follow-up conversation then, because we have had it before. Mr. Ngosana Dolopi, the Deputy Secretary General of SATU, will be on the line. But first, as she had promised when we last spoke to her two weeks ago, Ms. Nangam Somtsatse, who is a PhD candidate in education policy and a member of RESAP at the University of Stellenbosch, talked to us about exactly what it is that we are faced with in our education space. We're going to school and children are told on Sunday, one more sleep, one more lala. They nearly go to bed and they know that they will be going to school tomorrow only at dinner time on a Sunday to be told no schools. What on earth could this potentially mean for our Department of Education? Good evening, Nangam. So thanks for your time. Hi, Songhezo, and hello to your listeners. Very um, sobering times, huh? Very sobering times. And then I must say, it's good to be back. Thanks for the invite. What's um, going on? What's going on? Just what's going on? Parents are frustrated. Everybody is frustrated. Sure. I don't have kids. I'm not a parent. I'm super frustrated because of the mixed messaging. I mean, what can government get right? Surely, surely. I think, I mean, the last time we spoke, Sangas, we were saying that, you know, let's wait and see if government will get um, its ducks in a row. And um, my first sort of response when this announcement was, wait, was made, as I said, it's expected. You know, this was announced two weeks ago that schools need to prepare themselves and get all the necessary stuff in order before teachers and learners come in. And we know that a vast majority of these schools are, in terms of infrastructure, are quite behind. Mm, mm. So for me, I'm, it's not a surprise. It's really not a surprise. I was expecting it. You're talking so, to a 13-year-old. Sorry about that. Yeah. You're talking to a 13-year-old and you're talking to an 18-year-old. Critical stages sure. of their respective development. One is understanding one's body and being a little more critically aware of one's surroundings. 13, mm. girls and boys reaching puberty. They're at the tail end of their basic, basic education, so to speak, primary education anyway, and they're going on to high school and all the promise that yields this time of their respective life. Six months to go, then we're big fish, or then we're small fish in a big sea. 18-year-olds, some of them are reaching adulthood now, some of them are adults. They are fully contractually compliant in terms of the laws of the country. They're looking forward to the next stage, tertiary education, or even better, in some instances, going into the formal economy. And the last thing they would have wanted or expected or even hoped for was another setback. In, and, and they've got less propensity to open, close quote, understand than perhaps sure. what you and I might. How do you engage mm-hmm. them going forward and keep them interested? So, I mean, this is the whole, um, at least in, in my mind, this is the whole reason why school should not remain closed any further. I mean, although less than 0.03% of kids between 13 and 18, you know, get infected by the virus, we definitely, at least research tells us that, that the recovery rate is up to 100%. You see? So, for me, it's, 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 
more protecting the learning and teaching that both grade sevens and grade twelves need to get, or at least structured learning and teaching, to prepare them to go into the next sort of phase of education. The longer we keep schools closed, it means for the 65% of the schools or the poor schools in South Africa, those kids remain with no structured learning or teaching. Whereas their counter peers, they have day-to-day interactions with their teachers on Zoom, on Google Teams, and for them, it's business as usual. And at the end of the day, we must assess these kids using the same assessment. They're measured on the same scale. How do we do that? These kids, every day they miss school, they are put in a, at a disadvantage in terms of learning and teaching. Are you at home listening to this conversation? Are you a parent? Are you frustrated? Have you given up? Have you given up trying to come up with a story, whatever the story is, to your 13-year-old or 18-year-old? To what extent do they even understand? And I'm limiting it to the 13 and 18-year-old. What about the mm. child who was an 8-year-old, who's a 7-year-old, who started school, what, five months ago? This is their reference point to what formal education is. Are you a parent at home and just want to ventilate? Please do give us a call, 0891-104-207. WhatsApp voice notes, 0614-104-107. We're having a conversation. The opening of schools, the preparation for the opening of schools on the 1st of June, the U-turn at about 18 hours on the 31st of May on National Day of Prayer, and on the 1st of June, some went, some didn't go. Sixes and sevens, it's a shambles all around. Did the department overestimate its capacity when they made the announcement that on the 1st of June, despite all of the issues that Saito had been flagging together with many other stakeholders in the education space, did they overestimate their capacity when they gave themselves a deadline of 1 June? No, definitely. I think that announcement was um, to some extent Im- uh, Im- immature. I mean, in that, in that statement of the minister, she mentioned that there was a readiness report from each province and every province has declared that they will be ready by the 1st, 1st of June. But can the 1st, and 1st of June, we know that, um, I mean, as much as in her speech today, she referred to Gauteng, Sea State and Northwest reporting that, you know, some schools are ready, some schools are not. But what about your largely rural area provinces? Eastern Cape, Limpopo, KZN. I don't think that there was enough sort of assessment that was made prior to that announcement. And you're right. Satu has been flagging these issues. And I think maybe, as always, government is always optimistic about these things, but the reality is something else. So, I mean, it is, I agree with Sato to an extent. I think it was premature. And now we have to extend the reopening um, to give this week to mop up all these um, regulations that hasn't been put in place in these schools. I was listening to Professor Mary Metcalf, who is the former DG in the Department of Higher Education. She was, of course, the MEC for Education here in this province, Gauteng. She's an yeah. academic formally attached to or might still be attached to the University of Witwatersrand. I caught something yeah. just before I came on air, and I think that was quite instructive. She said, assuming all of the equipment, PPE that is, that is required by every school, arrives today. In other words, today or tomorrow being the next business day, Tuesday. Yeah. That's just one end, if you like, of what needs to be done. 
there are still protocols that need to be developed and factored into the routine of the day in terms of engaging these PPEs, be it masks, be it sanitizers, water, and facilities that are used for ablutions in terms of not only empowering the teachers because they have to now know what has to be done, transferring all of that to the children. And of course, when you're talking about 18-year-olds and 13-year-olds especially, it won't be as quick as it should be for teachers, certainly. All of what that means is a week is not enough in the best of circumstances where the PPEs do arrive, the necessary training, the onboarding, the protocols to be developed such that you cannot just have the PPEs because they're being PPEs without more is as futile as not having them because they still need to be used properly for them to be effective in the clinical sense. Now, Mm. on the basis of that, what then do you make of these reports that come in suggesting they are ready, whereas in reality, because now is the 1st of June, most of the country is not ready? Surely this is the call for heads to roll. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, I think, um, um, Mary, Mary's right in that statement is that PPE is just one, one step. There are curriculum trimmings um, with our oversized classrooms. They, the um, government has said they're going to put in substitution t- teachers. But how do you get everyone on board on time? So by the time the gates open, it's learning takes place. Your that thoughts? amount mm-hmm. of planning and coordination, I don't believe that a week is enough. I mean, I was touching base with some of the teachers that we work in, in the organization that I'm affiliated with. And some of them said, you know, this morning they were waiting for the um, support staff that will help screen and, 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 and et cetera. No one reported. So teachers have... Or have anxiety with this whole thing. No one knows really in some schools whether they're going or they're coming. And I think it's about hard time that we are realistic about how much our system can do in terms of the time frames we've put in our sides, put for ourselves. Mm, mm, mm. All right. Um, Yeah. No, carry on. You sit down. Yeah, no, I was going to say, yeah, pretty, pretty much that's, that's what it is. You know, it's to say, honestly, realis- realistically, how much can we get, can get ready in this time? Okay, that is Ms. Nangamso Ntsatsa, soon to be Dr. Nangamso Ntsatsa because she's a PhD candidate in education policy at the University of Stellenbosch. We are still waiting for confirmation of Ngosana Dolopi, who we have had here twice before. He is the Deputy Secretary General of the Teachers Union, South African Democratic Teachers Union, SATU for short. He's spoken to us quite at length about exactly the kinds of discussions that we are now having this evening with Nangamso, and I'm sure you equally want to participate. And I'm especially appealing to those who had to plan around the 1st of June and which planning effectively came to naught because the day before your plans were supposed to be implemented, the Department of Basic Education changed the date from the 1st of June to the 8th of June. Parents, where are you? Independent schools in particular, those that still went ahead with schedule. Tell us about the experience of your child, you as the parent as well. I also understand that particularly the private schools made parents sign indemnity forms In other words, the warranties and the liabilities that would otherwise accrue to the school are no longer theirs for, are no longer there for them to bear because the 
onus, if you like, or the risk now passes on to the parent who sends one's child to school. Is it even possible under the South African Schools Act? I'm not so sure. Perhaps somebody who is that much inclined in the law, particularly education law and policy, might want to give us a call. Otherwise, we do have Kandisa from Matlosana on the line. Good evening, Kandisa. Thanks for calling. Uh, evening, Songez. How are you? Well said. How do you do? Um, no, no, I'm good. Hmm. Songez. Yes, sir. See, I'm very, very, very worried. You know. Uh, the minister said he met all stakeholders and discussed this thing of people uh, of children to go back to school. But when you listen to unions, they speak different language. You see. As if they didn't meet even the minister. Why the minister and the MECs of the province are very, are, are very they are so hard to open schools, whereas they are not prepared. You know, so if you know, did not raise their voice to say uh, schools are not ready to be open, it's, it shows that the ministers, the, the MECs were giving the minister wrong information. To say everything is good here in northwest songeso mm. here in northwest you you can just come songeso there's nothing that is uh, uh, I, I will i will allow my child to go back to school because they are not ready they are not ready uh, the department is is very even uh, uh, these people of buses songeso they don't they others they don't have uh, sanitizers in their buses you see, you see, this, this, this thing is happening here in, in, in our country. It's called, we are going to cry as parents of these children. Look what is happening in my Songhezo. People, they have PPEs, but people are getting this virus. You see, we know the economy, the economy is supposed to be open when a Songhezo. But, but Songhezo. Who will take the response? The government must take response maybe for everything that is going to happen. Thank you, Fantastic. Thank you so much, Ndate Khandisa and Matlosana. Yeah, I suppose it's not too far-fetched to think class action against the government of South Africa, however this might pan out. For those who can establish a right, and there's definitely a right, to education in this country, the fact that for so long children wouldn't be going to school, I think is a reasonable ground in my view anyway, just from a cursory look at the legal aspects attached to that. In holding the government to account for not providing the necessary equipment within the lot time in terms of what is reasonable, whatever reasonable may be to whoever the arbiter is. In that case, there's a case in that regard, surely, as there will be or might be a case if they do open schools, whenever they decide to open schools and the infection rate increases. I'm thinking particularly in your public schools, there's certainly a case either way for government to answer. Well, what that means essentially is doomed if you do, doomed if you don't. Your thoughts, Mike Newlands. Good evening. Thanks for calling. Yeah, hi, good evening together and to your guests. I always wonder why people sit and watch TV when they get much more have a much better <laughs> evening listening to your debates and You're and good for my ego, my man. <laughs> Keep going. Thanks so much, Mike. <laughs> You're welcome. And I do mean it. Yeah, Thank you. look, I uh, just want to pick up on your previous call in a way, because I think he spoke to to, to my question mm. somewhat a little off the topic, but you know, he's talking about the Northwest. Well, I just quickly Googled the Northwest and we'll find the Northwest province one, um, the ANC won there by a huge majority in their last election. And this is not really about the union, and I'm 
I'm assuming the lady that you have in your as your guest there, because I didn't quite hear the introduction, unfortunately, sure. is, is a union member. And, and really no, she's not. She, I'll, I'll tell you quickly. Oh. She's a PhD yes. candidate in education policy and a member of RESEP at the University of Stellenbosch. Nangam, so just quickly confirm to us what RESEP is, please. Group of researchers that are doing work in social issues, health, education, Excellent. and labor. Excellent. Thanks so much. C- carry on then, Mike. There's your reference. Okay. Yeah. So I would often, you know, maybe ask yourself, ask the lady, maybe your efforts would be better directed trying to get the previous caller to rethink the way we look at things. Because the problem that we face t- today with the, with the shocking situation of our schooling, the poor management, uh, you alluded to that as well, the on-off thing, we're open, we're closed, we're going to start this week, next week. Uh, speaks to a to a government that's actually we keep voting for and has lost the plot. So it's not really so much about the parents. It's more about the fact that this is what, as a country, we voted for, and we should rather be dealing it with from from that perspective, other than kind of wringing our hands. Because I've long ago given up on that. I don't uh, personally uh, look. I'm not a. I'm no longer. My kids have grown up and long gone, uh, but I am a grandfather. And uh, I do actually now have to sit there and I worry about where my grandkids are going to go, how they're going to get through school like any other parents in this country, and what's going to happen next. But we keep we keep seem to going down the same route where we have good people like your guest who's got, honestly, her heart's in the right place, and she's talking about all the real issues that we need to discuss. But the fact of the matter is, above over and everything that she's saying, the people of the country voted in this government that is giving us this, uh, a government or giving us a education department that is completely disastrous. So should we not really get that first before we try and correct all the mistakes that the government of the day is making? Because, hang on, that's the government that we voted in in the first place. I hope I made sense tonight. Oh, you, you have certainly made sense. In other words, you are saying before it is the government's fault, it is my fault, it is your fault, it is everybody's fault who allows the government to occupy the space as because we as voters have put them there. Essentially, that's essentially the point. Yeah? That's it. Thank okay, you. on another day, because again, it comes back to the issue that we spoke about the last time you and I spoke on air, and it's that fun sale slubbert uh, report. Indeed. We need to engage South Africa, if whether then on the basis of what Mike's call is, our electoral system is the best mm. system we could essentially employ for the purposes of, I suppose, securing accountability in government. I think that's the essential point of what you're saying, Mike. Thanks exactly so much. Right. Mike and Newlands, on another day, we'll have the conversation with you. Yet, I'm not so sure. Right now, Durban, we're going to Ngoznati Mplegas. Good evening. Thanks for your time. Marlon and and to your listeners and your guests, um, I I still have a my 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 youngest daughter in high school. I'm not too sure whether I I I I want her to go back to school. Um, It's just that confusing. But the minister added more confusion when 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 he did not when she did not speak with one voice with, 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 with the unions. Which I, 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 in terms of the law, they are also stakeholders because they represent uh, the, 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 the workers at, at school. Um, there has been insistence. The, I'm talking about the unions that the schools are not ready from the word go, and the minister was also insistent that the schools will be opening on that particular date, which is the first, which was supposed to be today. And 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 I was surprised when I I heard that it has been postponed. I think it was around about eleven uh, last night. Um, most of the teachers in schools did 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 not know about that change of the situation. 
and some of the uh, of the kids were turned back from the school uh, because uh, of this bungling. Because this is this is this is what it is. Mm. Uh, from the word go, the minister did not satisfy herself that the schools were ready in the entire country. In the province, there are a number of schools which were vandalized. The, 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 nothing was was being said about that. Even if the unions, because I I used to hear unions, I think two that is SA Democratic Teachers Union and and and, and National Teachers Union, they they were talking about those schools such issues, and they even, before she made an announcement, they even sent their own teams to, 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 to go and assess uh, the situation on the ground, and they brought back the report to her. She, 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 she ignored that report and went uh, ahead with the announcement. So I think the, the bulk of the whole blame should lie with her. Fantastic. Ayatem Plegas, thanks so much for your time. Now, I'm sorry, you are listening to these callers and their concerns are quite deep, none of sure. which are very optimistic in terms of the status quo as it pertains. And I suppose as concerned parents, the lived experience trumps everything else that government will ever tell you. Just Sorry, I didn't hear that. Sentence. Can you just repeat that question? No, I'm saying, I mean, we have three callers here who yeah. all of them if I can just categorize their views, none of which are complementary to what is currently taking place. And, yes. and they're speaking from a lived experience perspective, perhaps maybe yeah. not um, Mike is going on one level deeper in terms of what actually we are faced with, but certainly in Dr. Khandisa and now Ngosi, Gosnati, uh, I mean Ngosi Kona. Sorry, what was the name? Gosnati, right? Gosnati, I beg your pardon, Bungo. Two callers, Khandisa and Gosnati, are simply saying, hang on right here, all is not well. And they are giving accounts, live accounts. Mm. And, and, and that can't be surely what the government wants to hear at this time. It's certainly the Department of Basic Education. Would it be fair to say the department on this issue certainly is at sixes and sevens? Sure. Yeah, I would, I would, I would, say, I would say so. I think um, I do, though, want to, 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 to just mention, Songhe, so, um, that and I think I mentioned it in the previous interview, is that it's important for us to also look at what data is telling us. Um, and let's not forget that. But at the same token, um, unions, the government is also responsible for the health and safety of both teachers and learners. And with that said, um, for me at least, it's, it's, it's my biggest concern is the longer the schools are closed, the bigger the learning gaps in South Africa will persist. For me, in this whole debate, and it's not easy, right? It's not a, let's open tomorrow and uh, ignore the fact that things haven't been in place. On the other hand, it's like we're losing days on, on teaching and learning. So it's a very difficult one. It's very difficult. No, so I so think... L- I, l- sorry, let me interrupt you there. I'm, I'm going to almost play devil's advocate there. World War One, World War Two. The many health hazards, I mean, for instance, the 1920 Spanish flu. Sure. In that period of time, in our respective history, they would have stopped altogether, stopped formal enterprise, be it business, be it teaching and learning, be it anything. Mm. Indefinitely, even without the safety of knowing that, okay, in a year from now, we will be ready. Would it be so much of an issue and I'm thinking beyond what the circumstances and facts tell us, but nonetheless, would it be so much of an issue to say there will be no learning for the rest of 2020? We have enough 
problems with what we have to safely say as a government that children can go back to school without, by that statement, incurring many risks or risking many things happening. Rather, what we will do is we're going to try to the extent possible meet the backlog, albeit of 26 years, but water is a non-negotiable. Decent water and sanitation systems at schools are non-negotiables. Teacher training, including teachers being housed in medical facilities or in some form of training in terms of how to deal with PPEs, the medical protocols in place, how to deal with children, they're not going to be sitting there not earning their money because their salaries will not be interrupted. They're going to be going in intensive care for the purposes of getting to grips with this. The same mm-hmm. can be said for parents and their children. If mm. you have to interrupt normal broadcasting for that matter, if you have to use SAFM as a station for that, where you say yeah. the entire country has to be glued because this is, open, close quote, the curriculum for the purposes of how to deal with crowds, PPEs, schools, children, and everything else. So whilst you're interrupting formal education, you are not interrupting a nation's development in response to COVID-19. Because on present facts, we don't know when it's going to end. There is no vaccine. And yeah. right now, we know there's an infrastructure backlog in yeah. as much as we have an inability in some instances to deal with what we even know is our problem. So, well, we've got six months. And of these six months, only five months effectively would have counted towards the education system. So why can't we just give up five months as a society anyway? We've already done that for three months and start 2020 in 2021. Everybody else will be a year behind. You simply cancel teaching and learning for this year and you prioritize that. How exactly are you going to sell that to the people? I'm not sure. But would that be an absurd <laughs> proposition given what we know? Yeah. Well, this is what Prof. Janssen had said right at the beginning from this um, COVID-19 outbreak in South Africa. That's what he suggested. He said, let us scrap the year and take the time to put in place all the necessary measures before going or reopening schools again. You know, on my side, I would be very interested to hear from learners if you had to tell a child that's matric now to say, "Listen, mm, you're not going to you're not going to university next year. Fortunately, you have to go back to grade twelve and um, do the three quarters of the year that it's remaining again." Let's leave it there. Nangato, thanks always for your thoughts. We're going to go to our listeners now who have left voice messages and a couple of messages. Best of wishes for you. This is as good a time to be an education policy researcher at PhD level because you're probably not going to get greater a research topic that is as live as this one. 2041. Bye-bye.